uh, apologize a little bit for some of the technical delays that we had uh, with our podcast coming up for episode 20. So just to let everybody know, there is an episode 20.2 that has recently been released that kind of fixed some of the tech issues. We don't really know what's causing it. Um, Audacity is a little bit of a bitch sometimes, and uh, my computer is a little bit weird because we got two Windows, one Mac on here, and Chris has been doing an immaculate job with uh, basically running all the mixing and all the editing going through. So biggest shout out to Chris for uh, taking care of all that stuff today. But uh, episode 20.2 is out um, and ready to go for all your wrestling needs. But we're not talking about 20.2. We're talking about episode number 21 of the Rub Wrestling Podcast with Matt, Josh, and Chris. And uh, just to let everybody know, like you do on every episode, you know where to find us. You can find us on Spotify, Google, YouTube, any place that a podcast runs. Follow, subscribe, or go fuck yourself. That's basically what we like to say at the beginning of this podcast. Today we're going to get into um, a lot of WWE rumors, uh, some AEW topics, as we always do. And uh, we're going to kick it off with a little bit of a funny story today. Chris, you know how I like to have my opener. Um, So I'm going to tell you a little funny story. I know that you have pets. Josh, I know currently you don't have pets, but you you did have a pet. But this question will be for both of you, but I'll start with Chris because you have more pets. So... I basically was in the house, uh, I went to a conference on Monday, Tuesday, and and basically Wednesday, and we came back, and I'm like, I don't know what's going on, man, smells like cat piss in the house, okay? I'm going to start off, like, I don't think we were going to think about ever starting this podcast off and talking about cat piss, but here we are. So I'm looking on the floor, I don't see anything. Okay, go to work, you know, yesterday, Thursday, I still kind of smell it, I'm smelling my cat, I'm like, what's going on, is it you? Like, she doesn't smell bad, I'm like, okay, what's going on? So today I go out and uh, I, I only brought a couple sets of shoes. So my sandals are sitting on the thing um, on the floor mat where we're getting ready to go out. And I go to put my foot in and it's just full of cat piss. <laughs> I literally found the cat piss and I stepped in it and then we <laughs> found it. And then on top of that, I go into the laundry room where, the, where basically the cat litter is. And we changed the cat litter on the weekend before we left. And she pissed on the floor too. So we, we knew that she didn't piss on the floor on those two days, but... There's nothing worse in this life, I will ever tell you, than putting your feet in cold cat piss. So, what I will say is, what has your animal or any pet that you've had done to piss you off to, to like, no end? What was the worst thing that a pet has ever done to you? Like, not, you know, not on purpose. Like, we love our cat, but, you know, um, that really kind of affected your life negatively that stands out. Oh, I've I have a couple. Like I have more than one. So we're uh we've we've actually ordered our fifth couch. We've only so that's one couch a year since Jenny and I have been together with Duchess. So one couch a year because she destroys every the all the other couches. Um the other thing is That's all I got, actually. Sorry. Sorry, there was another thing, but I lost my train of mind. Josh, you uh, do you honestly believe now in our pre-talk that Chris's weed is like 30, 39% after saying that? <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. I still don't think 39%. Josh, and it's crazy. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but, you know, Chris went from going from it sounded like he was going to have five things to talk about, and then he had one, and he's like, <laughs> yep, I'm done. But So, Josh, same I, question to you. I know that you had a pet. You had an awesome dog named Bear a long, long time ago. Um, was there anything that Bear ever did that pissed you off to no end? And probably you might have a probably a better story because you were a teenager, I think, probably at that time or probably in high school when you had Bear, right? Nah, Bear didn't really do too much. He got sick on chocolate one time, but he was more my mom's dog. If anything... 
Bear was chill when he had cataracts and he was like 17 years old and we'd have our barbecue. Oh yeah, we yeah we um, did. So yeah, Bear to get away with the parties and Bear would get Bear high. acted like a puppy those days. Oh yeah, he, he acted was, like a yeah. puppy. Mm-hmm. It helped. It, it helped his old hips. He gave him a little shotgun. Remember the first time we did that? Oh. I'm like, is bear is yeah. is bear a puppy? No, he's 15 years old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just remember at one point. I think I remember that dog. One time we were playing poker, and somebody somebody got him high or something, and then he just kind of did this like little weird dance in a circle a couple times, and he was just because he was just so like jived up on whatever he, we were smoking. It was pretty funny. Yeah, good times. Fuck yeah, I love that dog. Oh man. Anywho, as much as we love our pets, and uh, you know, except for Josh, he doesn't have any. That's okay though. Josh is uh, my cat's uncle by association, even though he doesn't want to be. Oh, you guys, do you guys um, want to hear anything that Ken Carter might have to say? He's calling. <laughs> why? Why? What's he He's doing? He's calling me right now. Uh no, it's gone. Oh, what are you gonna put him on air? Uh, oh, I, th- I thought I, I thought I might. Yeah, well, we are. But no, it's all it's all we're good. Gonna, we're gonna get him on the show one day, though. We're get we're, we'll get him on the show one day to talk about our old days in uh, Sudbury backyard wrestling. But right now, what we are gonna do is we are gonna focus on the WWE. We're gonna talk about a couple of uh, storyline items and uh, not really some rumors, just some stuff that we think uh, could have uh, a positive effect on the brand and the storylines moving forward. Um. So, as everybody likes to make fun of me for, with that being said, let's get into the show. Um, and we're going to talk about basically Vince McMahon. And, and we know that WWE, you've heard in our podcast before, if you listen to it, um, that basically Endeavor, is, and I believe uh, Chris uh, said that the gentleman who's running Endeavor is Ari Manuel, if I'm uh, not mistaken. Did I get that right, Chris? You got it right. Sorry, Ken's calling me again. Perfect. So, uh, basically... What happens here is that Vince no longer having control. We're starting to see over the past two or three weeks um, some changes that are really happening in the storyline. Some non-Vince things that we'd see, um, you know, kind of like with uh, some additions that are coming in. Uh, something that we'll talk about later, which is uh, going to be, we're, we'll talk a little bit about Nick Aldis being the SmackDown general manager. Um The rumor has it right now, and from what we've been hearing, is that Triple H has now kind of seized control of both brands. And... We talked about it last week on how good NXT was under Triple H's direction and guidance. Um, so, Josh, with moving forward with what's going on here in regards to Triple H taking over, are, is there anything that you've noticed in WWE programming or anything that you've seen in the last couple of weeks that has really stood out to you to say that that's much different from Vince? Um, well, we saw a title change on a non-pay-per-view, so that was kind of interesting. We haven't seen that in a while. Um, definitely with the, the shakeup of, uh, moving Kevin Owens, which we'll, I guess we'll probably talk about later. Um, I haven't really noticed too much of a difference. I think it's kind of been a gradual difference that you've noticed over the last year, even though Vince has been... Like back, I still think that like this has kind of been Triple H's show for the last year and a half. Well, while Vince was off and away throughout this the sale, and then you know when Vince came back, you could kind of see like pieces of Vince. But I think Triple H is kind of ta- is is taking the reins clearly, but that it's not as obvious quite yet. I I just still th- still think the storylines are all too prolonged and that like your two of your major title holders uh have been holding the title for such a long time that it's hard to uh 
builds much bigger stars. So I'm just hoping for uh, you know some more changes like that they've been like we've been seeing recently. So yeah, I guess there has changed. Yeah, Chris, I've been seeing stuff like kind of like Organo and Champa coming back together and, and potentially reforming DIY. We're kind of seeing Triple H introduce Jake Cargill and some of these different things that are coming in. Have you noticed any changes in the programming that you've watched over the past few weeks since apparently this Triple H guided direction where he has more of the reins on creative moving forward with, with the programming? Um. Yeah, I guess I it's it's interesting. I think well, I mean Gargano lost. It seems like a lot of the guys that Triple H is bringing up are losing. Uh, Jonah lost or Bronson Reed lost. Um, I'm not really sure if I can notice the similarities to the Black and Gold, but I think that's because what the Black and Gold had was, yeah, some of those wrestlers, but it's missing a few key pieces um, from that. So I'm not. Uh, I'm not. Again, I'm. St- I still struggle with WWE. I watched Raw. Um, I watched part of SmackDown. Uh, I didn't watch the NX- NXT, but I wasn't. My attention wasn't held for a long period of time, except for the few segments that we'll talk about. And you know what the funny part is? I'd, I'd have to agree with you. I think when we look at a lot of this, and Chris, that question was actually for 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 you, and no no problem with you taking it, Josh. I'll, I'll get your thoughts in a second, Chris, when we go through. And I think when you're looking at a lot of it, we're kind of in a lull, right? We've had the the summer's over. We've had the biggest pay per views of of the year, biggest PLEs of the year that so far t- to the end of the year, with the exception of you know what's coming in November. So you're in a bit of a lull. You kind of get that little bit in the beginning in September, but now we're on uh, a six to eight week storyline kind of buff, which kind of happens twice a year. And now this is kind of a little bit of a lag. So, um, Chris. Uh, do you agree with that statement? Are we in a little bit of a lag? Do you think that the programming, kind of what I asked Josh, do you think that some of the additions are, are coming in slowly and that the programming for WWE is going to kind of go a little bit more to an NXT build, kind of what we saw a few years ago with SmackDown and Raw? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think we're seeing that with, uh, it, it, I don't know if you guys saw the LA Knight promo when he uh, he uh, corrected Kevin Nash of how play is, play is not an adjective, it's a verb. And that's Triple H's friend. <laughs> and if you're in WWE, they all know what's they all know what you're gonna say when you go out there. So that he was allowed to say it. So uh I think we're seeing yeah, we're seeing it come back in. And I think I think the product even I think it could have been edited, but when I saw the the yeet and all the stuff from Cody and Cody and Uso, and apparently Triple H said, I love that stuff. So I think we're we'll slowly see it, and I think it's going to be faster now that like he's officially out. Like like Vince is officially out, and there's nobody more powerful than Ari Emanuel in the sports industry. So like Vince got told by his boss that he's out. So like it's actually Triple H's show now. We saw what he did with the black and gold, and and I mean this is uh this is this is a big deal moving forward. Actually, if you if if you ask my opinion, I think yeah, it, I think it's only going to go up from here. 
Yeah, and I think that's the way it is. We're, we're kind of taking that old school out of the wrestling to try and create something new here. And I think WWE does a great job at revamping itself occasionally. And I think it, it's, it's just kind of like when you look at characters, you kind of have to have those rebrands. You have to have those things. There has to be an evolution of the product, right? Um, and I think that's where the, the WWE, and I'll, I'll give them absolute credit, like they have upped their game when it comes to production values, to how the entrances are being done. Like that's that's the strong point of what they bring to the table. But they've kind of lost it with that, with the product, like the product that's actually in the ring when it comes to the actual storylines, when it comes to the actual, um, you know, wrestling and how it's really ex- like it. it you got to kind of have that give and take. And I find for PLEs, they kind of take away the okay, let's choreograph it. We just want you to go out there and have a great match. And then on TV, it's like it's almost over choreographed to get to that point to kind of sell the end of the story. Where, you know, from what we've seen in AW Boys, like, you know, it's just going boom, 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 boom. And what we're seeing with them is we see a lack of production value, we see a great in ring product. Uh, but they're also struggling with uh, the mediocrity of the storyline as well sometimes because you're not going to have a perfect story over over a year or with when you're trying to run with a whole bunch of uh, different stories. It's the same as us trying to generate content for a podcast that we talk about. It's the same things that happen, right? You're going to have to go through format changes stuff and stuff like that will happen when we go through it. But that's the reality. So, um Josh, is there anything that you're really looking forward to seeing um, come, let's say, Survivor Series time? Like, do you think that there's going to be something like we've talked about? Um, you know, there's a rumor going around that Randy Orton's going to be coming back for Survivor Series. Do you think that that is a great timing for him, and that that will really help Triple H's uh, have an addition of either a face, uh, a major face, or a major heel, or somebody on the in between coming back for um, one of the biggest pay per views or PLEs of the year? Oh, yeah, I really like Randy Orton, especially like this version of Randy Orton is, you know, he's now the uh, locker room leader. He is, you know, a guy who has uh, evolved as a like a person outside of the ring and as well as inside of the ring. But he's he's he brings you that level where it's like I'd compare him like if you if you were looking at the women's division, Charlotte Flair, when they come in that they can go over, put anybody over, have a good match, and make a believable storyline for a championship run, or at the same time, you know, bring up one of your younger or your your up-and-coming wrestlers like he did with Riddle. Um, and so he's he's got that. I'm really excited to see Randy Orton come back. I just hope that he doesn't get hurt. Um, and so, yeah, I am, I'm ex- I am excited to see what's happening in WWE because it does seem like they're starting to move the story along, which is really good. It's just, man, has it taken a long time to get here. And, you know, I'd like to have the bookend of the Roman Reigns of the bloodline, not to say that I want to see Roman Reigns gone, but I'd like to see the story end so that we can develop a new storyline and kind of focus on different things. He's always, he might, he might be there for a long time, but it'd be nice to uh, see someone else run with it. Yeah, the problem that you're saying here, and I totally agree, is that when you have somebody with a title for three years, the three years becomes the storyline. And so what happens is is when Roman loses, you're going to potentially either have one of two things. He's going to be gone, or you're going to have a rematch. And that's either going to solidify that person more, or it kind of has something. But at the end of it, you can kind of get back to just having the matches. And I think that's really what that like the universal title really needs to have. Like Roman's time, it's great. 
you don't have to elevate him anymore unless you want him to go for a record. I mean, he's not going to keep that title for seven years or whatever it was like Bruno San Martino. It's never going to happen. Now, Chris, my last question on this opening topic for uh, for WWE. Um, it's a little bit of a rapid fire. Do you want to see Randy Orton give the rub in his final run and not really have a run at the title? Or do you want to see Randy Orton be Randy Orton and go after that WWE title and have his final run with the belt? Your call, your choice, you decide. It's a choose your own adventure with Chris. Let's go. Uh I say we book I say we book Randy Orton like real strong, real strong, winning, winning, winning. Let's get him up to that title picture and then let's have him wrestle for the title and let's have him lose. Let's have the guy Go over on Randy. Randy, who has the belt, because to be the to be the man, you got to beat the man, right? And let's let Randy go out that way, because I I can't imagine he's got a lot of time left in him, especially since he's been out this long. I think one of the things that's happening is even though that he's uh, he's had some injuries, he's had some bad injuries in his career. I think when he's needed to take the time away, he's taking the time away. And I think like it's it's one thing when you're on a smaller schedule. I think it's another thing when you're kind of taking that rest that you really need to be with your family, recharge your batteries, and come back out. Um, and he's been a you know, and and Randy's he's been he's been a company man for years. He's been he's been all about this this business and and in WWE for years. So I think he should get a proper send off. But I I do like this is how all the greats go out. All the greats go out with the backs on the ground and eyes to the lights. You got it, and that's that's tradition. But I think at the end of the day, with Randy, like you, you know what, you you don't get a lot of anymore. You don't get a lot of first ballot Hall of Famers. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer, and that's and that's where he's going to end up. And and regardless of what happens to him with the run, I think that my final thought on it is that that first ballot Hall of Fame offering will be his send off. Right? He'll be the he'll be the main event of that Hall of Fame class whenever he has it. Now. That being said, we're going to kind of move into some storylines. Josh already alluded to one thing. We know that Kevin Owens has moved to SmackDown for basically part of the Jey Uso um, switch over to Raw. So we know that Kevin Owens is over there. Now, this kind of deviates, guys, from what we were kind of talking about, what would happen with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn being on the same brand. Now, there's a couple different things that can happen with this move. So, Josh, when you're looking at this move for Kevin Kevin Owens, do you think that this is kind of um, fact or fiction? Is this going to be a better move for Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn as singles wrestlers? Or do you think that the WWE is making a mistake here and splitting them up a little bit too soon from us seeing a really good payoff match between them both? Because it doesn't seem like with this move that that's going to happen anymore. Uh, I don't think that it's not going to happen. I think that uh, it, what it does is it allows uh, Sammy to or Sammy and Kevin to have a singles run, like you said. But then it also allows them to like meet again in a feud in a different way. Like you know, Jay Uso is you know on Raw with Sammy, so maybe they form a bond. And Kevin Owens is kind of like I can't can't believe you're still hanging around that bum, even though I know they work together, kind of stuff. Or you know, Kevin Owens. Maybe he turns heel and or one of the, you know it, it could be one way or the other. I think that the reason that Kevin makes sense to move over to SmackDown is because he can be the guy that feuds with Roman Reigns to get you to WrestleMania for Roman Reigns to fight Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania or The Rock, which would be stupid. But um, yeah, so I 
I think it'll be good for both of them. They're both singles wrestlers. It makes more sense to to me for them to be a singles wrestler or singles wrestlers instead of a tag team. I'd rather them develop a stronger tag team than take you know two of their biggest single stars and making them uh, a tag team just to put the belts on them. I'd really like to see the belts on a real tag team again. You know, like 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 the U- I know the Usos were a real tag team, but they held the belt for so long. It'd be nice to see like a another team that's just a tag team consistently that isn't the the judgment day i guess like one of your your older tag teams that had been around for a while who'd been not able to get a chance at the titles because you you made them undisputed yeah i've said it once and i've said it again Uh, i've said it many times i think kevin owens should have been the person that beat roman reigns after the year mark um, those were two of the best title matches that I saw. And I really, other than the, the Sammy title match that kind of came a year later, I really wasn't impressed with any other title matches that came through. I really felt that Kevin had a lot of momentum going into those matches, but yet they kept on wanting to do this long, this long story with Reigns. That's cool. Nothing wrong with that. Now, Kevin Owens is probably going to be fodder again. And I agree with what you're saying, going in to be a guy that could potentially pose a problem. Put LA Knight out there, get Kevin Owens in there, get a couple other guys that can fight Roman to, until he can get to WrestleMania to do God knows what. And I'm it scares me to think about what it's going to be. Now, Chris, a little bit of a different question for you. It's almost like a Stranger Things type question. Is the WWE kind of done with Kevin Owens in the sense that when they see him as a main event kind of a superstar? Is really this being done to vault Sammy to the top? Oh, is this something that could be a long term plan? What do you think? Like the truth is out there. Uh, No, it's we're going to talk about something similar to this where there's storylines all over the place because, yeah, like we have people being traded back and forth to Raw and Smackdown. Like this is stuff we haven't seen in a while. It's actually kind of exciting. If you ask me, like so now Kevin Owens is going there and he's separating Sami Zayn because I think we talked about earlier on the pod how we thought this is going to end up with the Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, uh, Kevin Owens feud, like how it always does, though. But so like they're actually kind of showing us there's a little bit more to the story. I think I think it's all going to come back together at some point, because if we think I want to mention this at the at the other point, but. Like Triple H is from the Attitude Era, right? He's from that's where that's where he made his bones. That's where he learned how. Like that's where he was on top. So like he yep. he's gonna ru- he's gonna want to run the ship the same way. And can you imagine if we start seeing more stuff like this with the production what they have? Like, can you imagine if we start seeing Attitude Era stuff? Like, I mean, his it would. It would be awesome to say that that would be the case, Chris, but I, I, I really just have, like, the Attitude Era was something like it was TV 14, if not moving into, like, TV 18. And, like, like that mature level, that mature level watching, and I don't think that it's tailored to that now. Like, I, I would I would love to see it come back to that, but I, I'm not saying that it can't, but I'm just saying with the way the TV deals are shaped and the demographics, the way they're looking at, I, I don't see how that's that's possible, right? So... But I'm, I'm not denying you. Like, one of the things I loved, and Josh, maybe you can attest to this as well. One of the things I loved about the Attitude Era was that there was probably about 12 guys that could win a world title. And we don't have that anymore. We have maybe two or three guys that can really step into a role. There's more than one belt. You know, we got all these things that are coming. But there was legit 
12 guys. There was like, you had at one point, you had Cena there, you had The Rock, you had Mankind, you had Kane, you had The Undertaker, you had Kurt Angle, I mean, you had Chris Jericho, you had Triple H. Like, you can keep going on and on and on and on about potential world champions. Like, you could pass off, the, like, even throw in the big show Mark Henry. And those guys, they were they were still as much as they kind of lost a lot of points. They they when they had titles, they were legitimate contenders. But anyone can show like, up at any like time. Leg- legitimate anyone can show up at any time and win a title. Yeah, and it's like it's just I find it so different now when we kind of look at that, right? And it's like it's like it's almost like we're waiting for somebody to like kind of look up to the clouds and have the light shine down on them, this divine light that says, okay. Now we're going to kind of create the path for you to be the world champion. And it's like, we didn't have to do that before, right? So, Josh, like, what are your feelings? Do you agree with me? Do you, like, there was legit a lot of world champions back when we were watching during the nostalgia days, what I like to call them, because we're old. Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, I think that's what Chris was kind of alluding to, is, is that, like, it the possibility that it could change consistently made me want to watch Monday Night Raw, made me want to watch 100%. the regular programming, right? Like, right now, we talked about this ex- extensively, is that, like, if you watch just the pay-per-views, you could know what happened in the storyline because they're not doing anything. in They're not, they're not doing enough in their, their weekly programming to draw a fan like me to be interested in the storylines because I know what's going to happen, right? Like, I know that, yeah, it's going to be interesting to hear what you have to say, but if there's never going to be a payoff where a guy like L.A. Knight or Sami Zayn or Kevin Owens wins the fucking title, then I don't want to watch because I like those underdog stories. I like those, like, I, I like the storylines where you're invested your you invested your emotions into it and you didn't and you get a little bit of a reward. It doesn't have to be all the time. But you look at like even what they did when John Matt and I were talking about this this week. Like what you looked like with John Cena. Even though he was the, your top guy for a long time, he didn't hold the title for a long period of time. He just kept on chasing the title. So at least you got to see other people with the belt on it. And you're not seeing that with WWE now. And, you know, because Roman Reigns is a heel, it's easier to keep the title on him. But you're not giving the fans what they what they need and it's it's just like that payoff. You need to give it to them every once in a while. And to be honest with you, I don't think Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania is that payoff that the fans deserve. I, I think that Sami Zayn or Kevin Owens or someone before that, like with that level of like organic, you're over goddamn that they got, right. Night like, would be beautiful. Yeah, you know, it's uh, Cody Rhodes coming down and, and kind of doing WrestleMania. I remember when we did a lot of it, we were kind of like really kind of jacked because we thought it would be kind of a cool thing, right? And I think what happens is is that, like anything else, stuff evolves. And I'm not saying that Cody shouldn't, like Cody is a legitimate world champion. I don't care what anybody says. Like, you know it, I know it. But is he, does that story need to be finished at WrestleMania? Or could he be a guy that beats Seth Rollins? Like, does it have to be Roman Reigns with him, like, when we kind of look at these different scenarios? Like, it's really, I know we're kind of getting a little bit off track, but this is what happens when you're passionate about topics. Like, where we, like, that's the stuff that I, that I'm kind of, gets to me. And it's like, does, why does it have to be, he's the champion elect of the people and just kind of let it happen when it happens. Can I jump in? And because that happens, yeah, go for it. So... I think we're kind of seeing the same thing with Cody is that we've seen when he left, like when he left WWE. So like he's getting his stature up there, 
But his story now is kind of getting stale. He's he's brought the same character over, and now he's trying to get the same character over with a different group of fans. And now, like it's it's kind of getting stale. Like he's even asking in press conference, "Where is the story now?" Like, so like is it not serious? And the st- the story isn't serious anymore. I just like it. It seems like it seems like what we saw in AEW was was probably as high as Cody's going to get. I I I I don't really care to see it anymore. I wanted to see it when it first happened and I just don't think they've they've told the story enough for a year the way they should. It it just you can't you, you can't and now the the sad thing is for Cody is it now because it's stale that like his his chance is gone. I agree and I don't um, I agree with the fact that they should have struck when the iron was hot. And if they would have struck when the iron was hot, it would have been a lot better. And now you're going to struggle to find that organic chemistry that's going to lead him into that growth. But to say that he's not over that he's stale is fucking crazy because he gets one of the biggest receptions from the fans out there. And so and as much as I don't, I'm not a massive fan of his, like his, his ring gear. I'm not, I've never been a fan, even when he was in AEW. I loved when he went back, like, you don't mind that he wears a suit and all this stuff, but that's part of what takes it away. It's like, it's kind of a little far gone from the people, but I, I honestly believe at this point that he's more over than he ever was. I, I could never compare this to his previous run because all the runs that he had, he ran with, with, with basically characters that were never going to succeed. Like, he basically was the Phantom of the Opera, Chris. He was the Phantom of the Opera. And and he made it work. But, you know, does he get that, that, that championship shot now at WrestleMania? I, I agree with you guys. I, I don't think so. And I think Josh agrees with that, too. I think it's the same thing that he said back on the podcast about Sami Zayn. It's like, you strike when it's hot. Get it at its highest level. Because if not, you've completely blown your opportunity. It's like being John Rocker and blowing your saves for the the Atlanta Braves, right? Or, or so, Josh, I'm not going to speak for you, but you go ahead. Or saying some uh, some derogatory things in a New York, New York subway for very true. Speaking of John Rocker, yeah, I I mean I do think so. I I like I do think that you're, the fans will get the payoff with Cody versus Roman at WrestleMania. That's what I've been reading. I know that there's rumors about The Rock and Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, and I don't really want to talk about my feelings about that because it doesn't, it's stupid. Why waste the biggest <laughs> event of your year to have The Rock fight Roman Reigns? And then you're going to announce it now. And yeah, and then you're, you're, that means that Roman Reigns is going to fight The Rock, and everybody fights for the title later, he's going to win. Or before that, he's going to win. So it's, it's very predictable. And so it kind of ruins all your pay per views in between. Because if Roman Reigns is fighting anybody, he he either has to be in like a tag match or a non-title match for you to get some sort of payoff. Otherwise, the the result that you kind of want to be different uh, will be very well known. Like we already know that Roman Reigns is going to beat most of the people that he faces, anyways. But it's it sucks when you're like it, it's already predetermined. Oh, Chris is moving the broken door. Look out, world! But yeah, Josh, you're absolutely right. I mean. You know, I, I, I think the formula that worked 20 years ago doesn't work now anymore. And I think all wrestling companies have been using this formula that they think is working, and it just doesn't work. Like, I would not want to bring The Rock in. I have no problem if Rock wants to come to WrestleMania and be part of a match or be in a match, or fuck if he wants to fight Solo Sokoa, because 
It's not for the world title. You haven't wrestled in like six years, man. You're like 47 years old, and it's not realistic anymore. It just doesn't make any sense. And what people are living on is the same thing of what we're seeing for the last three weeks. It's like living on the nostalgia. But I don't need to see the nostalgia as a 40-year-old man. Like, And I'm the demographic that would want the nostalgia. So why? Like, that's the reality. Like, I don't want it. I want to see something new. Like, show me show me some new magic tricks. Show me some new sleight of hands. Show me some crazy shit. Show me a tournament. Like, sh- like show some initiative that you're going to change something and make it better and evolve it to the point where it's going to be awesome, right? Like, it's like, I love, I don't want to get off topic on other sports. I love the NBA, like that tournament they're doing in the middle of the season. Fucking rad. Do it on mainstream wrestling. Get something else there that's not King of the Ring. Get a fu- something really fun that would be there that would be great. Get, like, And I don't even care. It could be that crazy UK Cup or whatever they have for Noam Dar or uh, whatever there that won that. And that's stupid tournament. But that was still fun to but watch. But it's like what you're... Because it's, it's different. It's like what you're saying. Like, uh, yeah, like put people where there's... You put a, a field of competitors together and anybody can win. Like, you, you know... With your feeling yeah. competitors that anybody can win, you make a fun wrestling thing. Like we all know it's fake. Well, we all know it's Ricochet. figured out. But yeah. let's let's put the best of the but then best you talk together. About somebody like Ricochet, but you put somebody like Ricochet, and we said Rick, Ricochet is like done. We talked about that in the podcast. Well, what if Ricochet did win a tournament? How do you run with that stock? Does that stock, does his stock go like this now? Like on an exponential to get to a point where he could actually potentially run with something where it's believable? Because now he has a tournament win and now it could take somebody that's kind of in that mid card and build them up, which is what we're just talking about, right? It's kind of the struggle of what we're seeing in AEW and, and, and WWE. Anyways, we're basically at like the 34 minute mark here and we just went on a massive rant and Josh, you have one more thing to say? Go for it. Well, I, I just like, I mean, although I know WWE is entertainment, sports entertainment, but I still liken it to pro sport. And yeah, okay, The Rock is, you know, it's he's a, he's a guy who has, a, it's you're bringing them back because they have a draw, but they're not going to make the in-ring product better. They're going to make it worse. It's not like you're bringing back fucking Miguel, Miguel Cabrera to, to come in game seven and and hit hit a home run because he draws fans and it's like i want to see in-ring ability and that was kind of like when they brought uh he who shall not be named back it was like your in-ring ability isn't there anymore and i just don't want to watch you i, I don't it was, care it was rough so, yeah. yeah like it's 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 just it doesn't make sense like it makes sense for the draw but to to give them the prominence in a match I'd rather see John like I'm fine with seeing John Cena do a tag match that's inconsequential but to to take the heavyweight title match away from one of your superstars your future your the future of your company to bring back the rock who's just an actor now and he's there yeah. because there's an actor strike like let's be honest and sorry if I can jump in like it's and some people will say uh they'll say well AEW has like all the retired stars but they're in the ring like these older these older guys edge christian ed they like jeff hardy matt hardy sting like it may be a retirement tour but they're in the ring almost every week so i mean it's hard so you can't i don't know like because people will say oh you can't you can't badmouth wwe for bringing their old talent because AEW's doing the same thing but these guys are in the ring every week though 
But they're every weekers, well, right? Sure. They're not like a once in a blue moon. They're not like coming in for a pay per view. They're coming in for a run, yeah. You know, a mat, a good, a good match, right? Like, and even Sting, they have their positions. It is. I, I don't disagree. I agree, but like, it's so much different. WWE is doing it because they are. I don't know. They just they're they're. It's like they can't create talent that have that same power, that same rawness that their former talent had. So they're trying to draw on it more. Wrestling has always been about charisma. And if you don't have that charisma and you can't get that over, you can't teach that. You can't teach that to fucking people and be good. You either you're either over or you're not. It's like singing at karaoke. You could be okay at it, but you're either good or you're not. And it's that simple. You're either off key or you're not. And that's the reality. Oh, true story. I won fifty dollars at karaoke at my conference on the weekend, so I was second place. Just to let everybody know. It wasn't great. I was off key, but I sang a good song. Um, Second that place being is said, first loser, though. But uh, the girl that won was like a, almost a professional singer. So I basically sang Coldplay Green Eyes and won $50. So I'm, uh, yeah, going to buy some uh, Mackie Dons with that tonight. Let me tell you. Um, so, anyways, we're going to call um, kind of a football audible here. We're going to kind of stick away. So, other than that, we were going to talk about Nick Aldis being uh, a GM on SmackDown. Um, but what we are going to do is just due to length and timing, we're going to move to AEW. And what we are going to talk about is probably the biggest news that we've seen um, in a while when it comes to not a rumor, but an actual piece of fact, which is um, at 64 years of age, Sting was in the ring on Dynamite on Wednesday night and basically said that um, I believe at uh, what what pay-per-view is it? Revolution, Revolution 2024. Revolution. Yeah, Revolution 2024, which is about, I think it's about six to nine months away, will be his, uh, basically his retirement from the world of professional wrestling. Um, again, and, and it's been a blessing as an AEW fan. I'm sure you guys can both agree watching Sting at 64 years of age still do what he does. Um, but it was an emotional speech that he was giving. And I think everybody knew when he first started talking that retirement was on the table and that was the, the word that everybody didn't want to see. Um, Chris, it's, it's kind of hard to come up with a, a question for this because, you know, he talked about his retirement in 2015 and he said it just didn't feel right. Um, do you think that now is the right time for Sting to go? Yeah. And walk out of the limelight and with his head all high. Yeah, and uh, let me tell you, seeing seeing with you guys, like seeing Sting live, I'm pretty sure that's the only time I've ever seen Sting. So like that was you know, that was a special moment. Like we're old, we're almost we're all forty years old. Like we grew up with Sting. And we finally saw Sting. And you know, just to see the stuff that Sting's done this year, like jumping off a ladder, putting putting his body at risk. And even he mentioned it during his promo. He's like, "You don't need me. You don't need to see a sixty-four-year-old man jump off a jump off a ladder." But you know, <laughs> when I did, and like he kept it, they kept it in. They booked him right, and I think Tony Tony let let Sting kind of dictate the last of his career, which is how I think it's working out. Because I I know we've heard that uh, that Sting talked Tony into letting him jump off the ladder, so. I think, yeah, I think, like, good on, good, I don't think we give TK enough credit for, like, the, the love he loves for the business, like, the passion he actually has for yeah. it, the send-offs he wants people to have, like, even just, sorry, I'm, I'm getting off topic, too, but even just seeing what he's doing with Billy Gunn, putting nope. a championship on him, like, 
for a last run. Like the guy, he knows this wrestling and he knows this stuff. But yeah, um, yeah. Sorry, got off topic there. But yeah, uh, no, it's okay. I think you said. I think he's actually. You said it really well. I mean, when you're looking at it, right? So. I mean, I think we all have our moments with Sting. I, I think, Josh, I'm not going to kind of give you the same question, but we've kind of all watched Sting at different, probably, I think, moments. If we're thinking of just us, maybe in different moments of when you've gone through. If you didn't watch WCW in the 80s, you got that old kind of neon version of the Stinger. Uh, but a lot of people really watched Sting when he was at the height of WCW. And um, I was just curious, what was your first inclination when you actually saw Sting in wrestling? And uh, what is what is watching him throughout the years really meant to you being a, a professional wrestling fan? Yeah, so I mean, as, as we had talked, I think, last week, I wasn't really a big WCW watcher in during the, the late 90s uh, because... It, you know, I would only watch WWF at that point. Um, but Sting was always Sting was always one of those characters that you were aware of and that I saw. And I even watched, I did, you know, you would watch back some of the old footage. And um, even watching him in Impact, because I saw him, actually saw more in Impact than I ever did in WCW. Because I would watch Impact back in the day. And, you know, you, you wouldn't catch a lot. I wouldn't watch it a lot and consistently, but if it was on TV and I had nothing else to do, I would watch it. And Sting always played that prominent role and he always had uh, the fans just love him. And, like, for him to have the career that he did with very... I mean, did he, he, he spent a very short time in WWE or WWF in his career. Yep. I know he was there, but, like... For him to have the prominence and the career at, you said sixty four, wow! Like he and and he is not the the he is he is not the wrestler like I was talking about in our in the last segment that you know the older wrestler who's taking taking away from the stars. He's the he's a wrestler who continues to be in the ring, giving a quality product, but making sure that what he's doing has value and it's giving the fans what they deserve. And he's not in the ring to just do a stinger splash. He's he's there taking those huge, stupid bumps that he shouldn't be taking. You wouldn't want a 40-year-old taking it. And he's taking it. And I think that it just goes to show you the work ethic that he has had for him, for that ability for him to be in secondary promotions his whole fucking career and be still getting that same pop is just on and it's crazy because i want to jump in sorry it's it's crazy because you you know sting from a different generation than matt and i know sting because i i don't think we probably watched less impact maybe like we still watched it but it's funny that that's how you were introduced to sting because like Sting, I remember Sting like the the beach the beach blonde hair, like the short curly yeah, hair. That's when we started. I I knew who he was. Yeah, I mean, um, but but the one thing that I will absolutely recommend to Josh, and I think if you ever listen to me say anything on this podcast, I strongly recommend that this is the one thing that you do, if you've never seen it, because it's the thing in professional wrestling that probably stands out the most to me on how a long term storyline can be so well done and get to the payoff even though you know the payoff is coming. And Chris, you might know what I'm talking about, but it was basically when the NWO was being formed 
And Sting, nobody knew where he was. <laughs> he wasn't WCW because WCW guys accused him of being in the NWO. He wasn't NWO because he never said he was NWO. So he kept on changing, and then that's when he went into like being Stinger to now I have black hair, I have the crow, Bro, yeah. the crow look, and his makeup starts slowly changing. And this is happening over, honest to God, Josh, probably a year and three months, and it gets to the point where he gets, he finally gets Hogan at Starcade, and if you just even stand and watch the first two minutes of that Starcade. And I can't tell you which one it is, but there's a YouTube documentary that basically, it's not even a documentary, it's just a bunch of videos that shows the beginning of Sting's journey, and it's like 10 minute clips of each Nitro for the whole year. There's like 30 to 50 weeks that you'll actually see it go through. Remember the spot, the spotlight nuts. that went on him in the rafters? Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, it was good. Yeah. Well, we, we should watch it before, before Revolution, and then we can have yeah. that culmination of Sting. And have, you know, our own send off to Sting. We could do that, yeah. Yeah, it's just, um, it, 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 it's just, it, it's, it was instrumental. And then all of a sudden the storylines just went stupid with the red and the, the red and the white NWO. And it was like fucking dumb. But that was the culmination of that storyline that was unbelievable for it. And that's, and then the fans all got their Sting back, but they didn't know where Sting was for like nine months, right? Like it was just, it was, or a year. It was fucking just insane. And yeah, the iconic moment is what Chris said, him coming down with the jacket from the Raptors with the bat in Clearing House. And that was when everybody knew that he was with WCW, right? So, but uh, yeah, I mean, his he's an icon. He's, he's almost bigger than the sport. But I think more importantly for me than what I just said is that I don't know a single person in the industry that says a bad thing about him. He's, he's a devout Christian. He's a good person. I was actually like, they're talking about somebody, a wrestler who was recently diagnosed with cancer who passed, and he called that person every single week and visited every single week. Like, that's the type of guy he was, right? So it'll be sad to get him to go. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if Darby Allen gets the same rub or the same attention that he would get if he didn't have Sting in his corner, right? It's, it's kind of weird to think of what Darby Allen would be if Sting wasn't there either. And you hear... Probably still be getting his head wrapped off stuff, but... You hear all these, uh, these, you hear all these wrestling Mount Rushmores, and, and when, I, when I hear them, I, I, I think they make sense, but, like, now that, now that we talk about it a little bit more and now that I kind of reminisce about how much I've saw I've seen staying in my life. Like I've seen staying in a hotel room traveling to Florida with my family for Christmas before I even knew what wrestling was. I remember seeing sting. Um, so like, I, I just think it's, it, it's a cool thing that you get to kind of you get to kind of see, see everything that goes down. And, and a lot of people on their Mount Rushmore, there's no sting on it. And which I find weird because all of a sudden now, now that he's announced his retirement, maybe it's because he's still active. But uh, once once we ask in in ten years when the rub has to retire, and you ask me my Mount Rushmore, I think Sting might be on it. That's baller. Um, I have a question for you guys. <laughs> Who do you think his retirement matches with? Ooh, Chris, I'll let you start because that's a hard one. Holy shit. So he already did the Muda thing, right? Yeah, he did Muda. Okay. Ric Flair can't come out of retirement. 
There's Chris Jericho. He's well. He's he's gonna he's gonna lie down for whoever he faces, right? Oh my God! I don't even know. Who's he? Uh, it could be. It could be Nick Wayne. Who knows? Huh. Well, if you if you, I think oh. he lays down for. I'll 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 kind of jump in. I think he lays down for Darby. I think Darby will be his last match. That's a good call. That's actually a really good call. I think. Uh, you you know what? That'd be so fitting too. Even though we know it's coming, I think. Yeah. I think there'll be some kind of, yeah. Now that you said that, that makes total sense. It'll just be balls to the wall. So I think that's where I would go with Josh. I don't know if you have somebody else in mind, but no. I mean, that's kind of who I've been hearing and thinking. Like it makes sense. Like he's mentoring him right now, and it, the legends that he mentioned in his speech are very unlikely to be like Hogan's coming out of retirement and fading in AEW and Ric Flair. I really don't want to see Ric Flair die in fucking Sting's retirement match. So, nope. um, but there was kind of like it could be Ric Flair. No. Maybe he could do one more no, thing. And no, no, like, it can't. Ric Flair could be at Ric Flair could be at ringside, maybe. But like, if you're looking at who's in AEW and who it could be, because Sting has like outlasted all of his peers or most of his peers, it kind of has to be Darby Allen. Like, I mean, I don't. It wouldn't make sense to give it to like. Christian or like someone who's been there long, you know, like a Jericho. I'm not saying that Jericho doesn't make sense, but why have this angle? It's just going to be really interesting. Like, do you do the heel turn or you just say like, I want to have my final match against you and I want to go as hard as I can. Like, and that would be fine. You know, kind of like Christian did with Sheamus or what Edge did with Sheamus. But um, I don't know. Let's hope that uh, he turns heel and fuck shit up because I'd love to see that. Yeah, I think Imagine. like the other ones that were kind of. Remember Rick? Yeah. Remember Rick Flair's speech? Fuck it up. Rick Flair's like, I know oh, you guys all want me to say one thing, but I will never retire. <laughs> <laughs> I think the other two things that are actually legit matches that could actually happen, Chris, and you might agree with this. I think Christian Cage is an option, but it has to be something with Nick Wayne. Mm-hmm. to kind of get him over and there was a, a picture on twitter that actually came up that i saw this week and it was uh from uh, pro wrestling noah the one guy that actually wanted to fight him was now michi marafuji um that's somebody that really wanted to fight uh sting so i don't think that'll be his retirement match but that might be a match that's gonna happen going into revolution if they can get a deal done with noah to do it so um, anyways, we're going to come to the final topic of the evening, um, which is going to be um, uh, basically the 47,000 storylines that Mar- Maxwell Jacob Friedman is uh, you know, in at this point. I don't even know. I'm going to try and list them all. I'm going to see if I can, but I don't know if I can. We basically got MJF and Jay White. We got MJF and Juice Robinson. Basically got the whole Bullet Club. That's three. Now we got the acclaimed in there that want to be partners with MJF. We got Roderick Strong, who hates MJF. We have Adam Cole. Who else, guys? Like, we probably have Tony Schiavone. Probably doesn't really like him that Wardlow. much. Yeah, Wardlow doesn't Wardlow's like him. Wardlow's another one. So He called him out. So, he said he had on his on his wristband. He, MJF. He said, why are you here? And it just said MJF. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Anyways. So yeah, we got we got MJF. We have um, you know, sometimes Renee Paquette. I don't even know. There's like Kenny Omega. Like ten people. Oh, Sorry? you know what? Kenny Omega. It was he he did hey Kenny, it's thirteen days, so like is there something there yeah. too? But right? you, like, you know Kenny what? Omega. You know what even because so, uh like Matt, do you you can just tell them everything we talked about because we've we've talked about how this is gonna be a an odd man out thing, right? 
Yeah, for sure. Well, we're trying to give them. We're trying to basically give them the introduction to get to that. Oh, I'm point sorry. Though. I'm sorry. I got excited. <laughs> so what? What Chris is alluding to, and not n- no big deal, but what we're finding really funny is that MJF really being involved in all of these different storylines are really throwing off the programming for AEW a little bit. Now, our thoughts and processes here is what we're kind of really hoping is that this kind of turns into like kind of like for the for all the young people that are watching, you're not going to fucking know this, but there was a TV show called Dallas where basically JR got shot, which and now if you are young and you'll remember this, when Mr. Burns got shot from The Simpsons, that's originally from Dallas when JR got shot. Now, Maggie Simpson isn't the one that's going to beat MJF for the world heavyweight title. But at the end of the day, we still don't know what's going on with the people in the devil mask. And now we're looking at 10 different culprits. So the question is, this turns into a really big dun dun dun. Who done it? It's a murder mystery at best. Um, except there is no death. It's just, I don't know, something, some weird shit's going to happen. Now, like we talked about last week, this is the fun part of professional wrestling. Chris, you were mentioning this is basically a whodunit. This could be against MJF. We've talked about a couple weeks ago this could be against Jay White. We really don't know what the hell's going on, but it's really taken up from programming. So, with that being said, I'm going to put you on hold for one second. Josh, when you were talking about the storylines, why is this a big fuck-up for AEW? Well, I just... I mean, if they if they culminate the story quickly, it's fine. But to have the entire program and to have, like... It's, I don't know. You have one guy who's involved in every story, and then so it's just it's 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 a clusterfuck in the sense that like the one payoff isn't going to give you the six payoffs you could have had with the other guys having stories with other people, and so it's kind of like you know when I get it the Kenny Omega thing the thirteen days was interesting, um, but but I because I didn't know what what they were talking about and then when you guys explained it, I was like okay that makes sense and I'm like but he's not even feuding with him right now but I. I I just, I kind of just don't understand. So I agree that it's going to be like Dallas or like The Simpsons. And I love how you say for you young people who don't remember what Dallas was. I mean, that episode of The Simpsons, I think I was in grade six when that came out and or grade four. So like we're the old fucks now. And for you young people out there, The Simpsons is a show that might still be on television, but like... I don't even watch it anymore. And it's... Uh, I, sure, I sure as fuck Maggie you. Simpson... So would be fucking 40, right? So uh, anyhow, um, I just think that there's just too many stories uh, with MJF. It, I'm hoping that, that the payoff is soon, and I'm hoping that it's the next pay-per-view, which it seems like it should be. So I'm okay with it. It's just like when they did the Juice Robinson thing with the ring, I was con- very confused. I was like, oh, why are they? Why is now he going after MJF? And I get it; they're part of the same faction, but it's like, Killer. okay, so he can't beat MJF, and but yeah. Anyways, I, I just yeah. Don't, so it's just he, too he much. can he can he can beat him for the ring, right? Like, so he can beat him for the ring. Um, apparently, from Josh, what we said from a mistake last week, we talked about you know Maxwell keeping the rings, but apparently Juice gets the ring if he wins it, which is something that. Maxwell can kind of lose at this point. Now, Chris, Josh, I have a question for you. Do you smoke a Canagar before this podcast? No, I don't. I just hit my vape while, while we're no, doing No, I'm just podcast. asking. I'm just asking. Why? Because, because I, I'm, I'm answering gonna, I'm poorly? Gonna, I'm ju- no, you're not answering poorly at all. I'm just going <laughs> to blow Chris's... Because Chris had a 39%. 
edible or whatever the hell he was smoking with weed today. Chris, I'm going to blow your mind right now. Okay? Are you excited? Mm -hmm. Yes. I want to know what your percentage odds are for this potential storyline happening. Now, Adam Cole or MJF becoming the leader of the Don Callis family and fucking everybody over, and that's who stole (laughs) the devil mask. Oh, it's too much. It's too much. I love man. coming it's, up with these scenarios. I love coming up with these scenarios. Like this is this is what I watch wrestling for. Like there's so many guys. Sorry, I'm just gonna just jump right in. Uh like there's there's just so many storylines and, and why shouldn't everybody be gunning for MJF? He's the champion. Why shouldn't everybody 100%. be going after after him, right? And then now you have like he's he's go like any oh man, it's oh it's gonna be so good. Unless they do it, ter- unless they really <laughs> fuck it up, then it's gonna be so bad. It's gonna be like Rikishi all over again. But now, Josh, coming back to you, you're probably not as high as Chris is. But when you get to a point and and you kind of look at that statement, I know that kind of gets away from the the multiple storylines that MJF is in. But the, it's something that just kind of came up. Like he's kind of short of a leader, and you know what? Like it's not that Callus won't talk. But now you have that backup version with one of those two guys to really kind of be the leader of what that is. And that's also a group now, when you think about it, and Chris, this is going to blow your mind even no, more. it already did. This is actually a group that you could take... This is a group that you could take to New Japan as well and really be a stable and be something massive when you go into it. And it's got dollar bills written all over it when I think about it. Josh, what do you think? You're just like, Matt, you're fucking crazy. Shut your fucking mouth. That's what the look looks I like. Mean, I mean, so, like, you, you're you're taking, like, the 12 storylines and then adding another faction into that storyline. So, like, yep. I hope not because uh, they haven't introduced that yet. So then that would prolong this clusterfuck of a story. I disagree. Juice Robinson can't win that, that, that uh, match against MJF only for the reason... That uh, a champion should not lose uh, a match while he has a belt because it's stupid, and <laughs> I'll hate it forever. He doesn't have the belt. Um, I MJF has the belt. MJF no, is Jay the White champion. Ha- yeah, he's the champion. Jay White has it, but it you also can't creates lose. What you I can't say. lose. You beat yes, the champion. Can. Of course, he can. You beat the it champion. It creates a disbelief you're the that he can lose. It creates a belief that he does I know. Lose. I'm just saying is, you know, you, you all know that that slices my fucking salami. So I'm not saying that I he know. can't. I'm saying is that I hate it <laughs> and I hate it. Um, what I think he could do is cheat. MJF still wins and then he steals it off his finger and he becomes the dynamite diamond ring person through theft. Just like Jay, just like, just, just like J-A-Y did. Um, but no, I don't think Don Callis' family's involved in this because... Fuck off! There's too <laughs> many of them. I like. I want a different story. Why not with him. just throw them in the mix? So where do we? So where <laughs> I do mean, we let's just because the, isn't that what happened with NW? Like, isn't that? Yeah, what, yeah. Every what was like every person the on the roster is a suspect at this point. Yeah, I know, but like but that the was the downfall is, of of yeah. NWO WCW, where it was just like it it overtook the whole promotion, and I just don't like that. Yeah, there's there's definitely in that scenario there was like 25 people in the NWO and they're writing their own storylines as they went. Now, my question to you guys is, like, Max clearly doesn't have any friends with Cole on the shelf, so you need to put somebody. So is Caster and the Acclaim going to back up Max in this whole scenario against the club, like against Bullet Club? Like, does this mean that, Josh, like currently we're on October 20th, we're a month away 
from Full Gear on the 18th, right? Does that mean that we're going to see an eight-man tag with the Bullet Club against MJF and the Acclaimed in a main event of one of these shows? Or what What happens? Because he seems really anti against Caster and really being part of that, and everybody's kind of judging Max Caster for saying that he's a scumbag, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of weird because, like, the way that Max Caster acts towards MJF is... It's very out of character, uh, which is, I guess, interesting. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like it doesn't happen where MJF doesn't. He continues to play exactly like where he's like, I am the smart guy. Like, I'm the scumbag. So why would I go into the ring when there's four guys out there? Like, he actually, you know, he said that in his promo, even though I think the announcers said that also, which kind of ruined the like the uh, ruined part of the story. I wish it would have just been MJF that would have said that instead of like, yeah, as if I'm going to go out there. I'm not an idiot. I'm a bad guy. Come on, guys. Like he's telling us that he's a bad guy. So I'm hoping that like this is the culmination that like that it's just MJF under the mask and he's just he's just he is orchestrating all of this and Max Caster and you know them. They're kind of just like fodder in the sense that like. They're a side story that are just happening, and MJF is like, he's hypnotized Max Caster, and Max Caster, that's all it is. It's not like he has control over Max Caster, because if he wanted to have control over Max Caster, MJF's character would do that. Like, I think he's even playing Adam Cole, right? Like, it's so deep that he is playing Adam Cole because he wants to distract him away from having his belt. Like, I'm hoping... There's so many there's so many things that can happen here too when you're actually looking at it and going through that process too. I mean, you go back to the the devil the devil storyline. There's four guys. You look at kind of the reason one of the reasons that I kind of step back and think it could be Callus is because there's four guys there. <laughs> like that's the reality of what it is. Now, I, I like you said, Josh. I'm gonna get off that because I don't want to add the storylines. But Chris, is it is this storyline? These storylines are not really kind of equating to anything. Like we're having a tough time, a tough time even this week coming up with some topics based on some of the matches that we've actually seen. It seems that nobody's really getting any promotional value other than Bullet Club, Callus and his family, maybe a little bit of Kenny Omega and Fletcher um, from what we saw in Dynamite, but nothing really massive that really kind of stood out. Like I mean, one of the other topics that we could have talked about was Tony Storm, but we're way over time. At this point, so we will get back to her, but um, it just seems that it, it's really kind of taking away from the, the the programming and the content of the show. It doesn't mean that the wrestling's suffering. It just means that what's being pushed to the forefront um, is is kind of really creating this con convoluted image that we can't really see the ending to. So, if you were Tony, what would you do in this point to try and get that back on track? Uh, well, I. I- I, th- I think we're seeing Tony take a chance now, actually moving into kind of a more uh, more promo-driven show for the last little while that we've seen. I, I, would, ima- I would imagine. I think the last like month or two we've seen has probably been pretty, like, a little more uh, talking heavy than they've used used to be. So, I mean, he's taking a chance. Uh, does he need to write the ship? Is... Are there times where I'm a little less interested than I am interested? Yeah, it's been it's been happening a little bit lately. Um, but I I love this storyline the the one where nobody knows what MJF is doing. It's like one time we're stumped. We actually don't know. We actually don't know what like who's somebody is going to be the end game there. So I may, maybe it's like 
it's like Nitro when they would focus all their times on Monday night. Maybe they're focusing all their energy on this MJF storyline. And, and yeah, I guess they are bringing everybody in. And that's kind of not a way to showcase them because they're all part of the same storyline. When I guess, yeah, you you are you are losing time on other things. And I think some of the segments we've seen have been a little lackluster lately. So... Yeah, it's. Yeah. I think it's safe to say that maybe they're put they're they're putting all their eggs in that MJF basket. I think it also comes back to this kind of like this September October this October lull that you get in wrestling. It's kind of like when we're talking about like kind of how like June or July is. It it just like this is a time of year because all the other stuff comes down now. Josh, do you have any final thoughts here on the uh, the the multiple storylines? Anything that you want to add in before we uh, you can slice your salami? Yeah, I mean. I mean, it could just be that Tony is trying to get all out of MJF before he inevitably leaves for the WWE. Like, that could be part of it. Or it could be that, like, Tony's already signed MJF for a long-term deal and they're, they've been masking this. Because I think MJF wants the biggest deal possible. And Tony can afford to pay him whatever the fuck he wants. Tony's, Tony's rich as hell. Like, if he wants to keep MJF and if MJF is truly just about a bidding war... I'm sure Tony Cod can end that bidding war and pay him whatever the fuck he wants um, because he can't do what he does on AEW in WWE. Not to say that he can't be in WWE. I think that I'm hoping that he does, you know, maybe leave and spice up WWE a little bit because that would be interesting for me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think I think wherever he goes, it's going to be interesting to see what the bidding war is going to do. And, um, you know, like even if that's even a thing. But, uh, you know, like Josh, you say, it's always a work. But with that being said, pull out the cutting board, grab your slicing blades, and, uh, sir, what slices your salami this week? All right. I mean, I've kind of already talked about it a couple times today, so it's kind of fitting. Um, So you know what really slices my salami? Making really big matches with champions before they fight their next opponent. So, like, for example... If the WWE announces that Roman Reigns is going to fight The Rock at WrestleMania, you're like, oh, that's fucking huge. But now he's going to fight Kevin Owens at Survivor Series. And you're like, well, he's definitely not going to beat Kevin Owens. Um, so kind of for me, it, I mean, for, I don't know why the fans don't get upset about this or they don't notice it. But maybe it's, you know, uh, the fact because they just, you know, they don't pay that much attention. But it's very... It takes away from the mystique for me. And I get it that you want to promote this thing. But if there's no chance that Roman Reigns isn't going to face The Rock, then it uh, diminishes the other uh, wrestlers. And that's what really slices my salami. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting to see kind of what happens. It's like it's almost like you're kind of you'd almost want to see him fight The Rock before WrestleMania and have the believable match is the main event, right? Instead of all, but it, it all comes down to drawing power. Like you said earlier, um, Chris, with that being said, we're a little bit over time. Is there anything that you'd like to add before we close off the show? Uh, I would just like to say with that being said, uh, I would like to end the show. Josh, is there anything with that being said as well? Is there anything that you would like to do or state before your, uh, before we end the show? With that, with that being said, no, I have no comments. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck yourselves. Anyhow, since that comes back, I'm getting, I'm getting finger gunned right now. So, but um, as uh, we're going to make a t-shirt that says, with that being said, <laughs> with that being said, 
we're going to be ending our podcast tonight. Wherever you are in the world tonight, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. We all bid you adieu here from the Rub Wrestling Pod. Have yourself a great night. Bang! Bang! Cause the beat's running copacetic When it all falls down I hope you don't forget it Nico City, son of anarchy To hype the man at me Mikey damage showed you amateurs To cost the vanity So fuck humanity Flow be murder open-handedly Most of my clique Yo, they come from broken families The world that been open Is coming through a closure Can't find peace in a world full of soldiers Can't stop getting all down Up north where the streets run cold down